Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Free Radicals podcast. I'm your host, Will. I'm Robin. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, just to summarize, we've spent three episodes talking mostly background information, spending most of our time outside of Munster. And this is intentional, uh, partly because a lot of things happen to inform the events in the actual city. But also I'm trying to help us understand together that the story in Munster has all these forces acting on it from, from other mm. places, just like our stories have so many influencing factors. Mm. It isn't just that this particular group of people was oriented a certain way. Uh, there were things about their life, things about their world that, that informed their decisions, mm -hmm. that made them think and do what they thought and did. Yeah, that pushed them. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So the last episode, uh, we spent looking at some of the different voices and just the, the types of voices that were influencing Bernard Rothman, who was the the key pastor pushing the Reformation in Munster uh, up until the beginning. And in 1531, he went on a, a Reformation tour of, of Europe. He visited uh, three significant places. Wittenberg, Marburg, and Strasbourg. Right. And I've only been to Strasbourg, but that was a worthwhile trip. Uh, maybe I'll make it to the other two uh, some other time. You want to come along on the next trip? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So uh, in this story, we're going to see some of these factors that are at work, kind of struggling against each other with, within the city of, of Munster. And those three groups are the traditional Catholic group, right. a new and emerging Lutheran, or or they would maybe call themselves evangelical group. Would that be like the Protestants? or? Yeah. Okay. So the, the Protestants under Luther, and Rothman is kind of part of that group for most of it. He's kind of on the edge of mm -hmm. that. But he's also kind of leading a group of people who identify more as Anabaptists. Uh, I see. Okay. There's an interesting power balance in terms of the government. Mm -hmm. uh, so the bishop rules the area around the city. Okay. But there's a charter that says the city council has the authority to govern themselves okay. up to a point. Okay. So uh, the people in the city, they have independence, so they don't want the bishop telling them what to do, mm -hmm. but they do have to be careful to not upset the bishop mm. to risk having other external forces inter interfering. Because the bishop is probably accountable to somebody else. Right. Like the church. Yeah, so okay. the Pope or the I Holy see. Roman Emperor, okay. all of these forces are, are there. 1531 is when this trip happens that I mentioned in the last episode, and that happens around the time of Easter, so it takes a few months. And then Rothman comes back, and he's eager, he's motivated, uh, he's been listening to these different voices, and he's developed some, some strategies of how he's going to lead this reform movement in Munster. And he's, he's made connections, too. So when he has questions, he can write letters mm. to these people, and they'll, they'll give him advice. 
so something happens in October of the same year that the bishop, who mm -hmm. I mentioned before, has right. some authority yeah. over over the city. Uh, the bishop has heard from council and some other people. They're upset about what Bernard Rothman is doing. I see. So they say that the bishop needs to stop Rothman from preaching. Right, okay. So the bishop says, yes, that's that's what we'll do. Rothman's not allowed to preach anymore. Oh. Um, and he's still at the same church, St. Moritz Church, outside of the city walls. Oh. So he is in a church directly under the authority of the bishop. Right, okay. So he's outside of the city walls. Interesting. Then Rothman writes a letter to the bishop, which on the surface sounds submissive mm. to the bishop. But he's much more submissive to the gospel. Uh, yeah. And he's writing in such a way to say, if God wants me to preach, I will preach. I see. So he's kind of putting <laughs> himself under a different authority than the bishop. But does the bishop think that he's agreeing to it? Well, that's a good question. Uh, because a few days later, a few weeks later, uh, Rothman starts preaching again. Okay. So this is October 5th. There's mm -hmm. this formal edict. Yeah. November 1st, he writes this letter. Okay. November 12th, he's preaching again. Okay. Some people complain, but n really nothing happens. Okay. He still preaches. Yeah. So uh, then there's this Episcopal Council, the, the leaders of the churches. Uh, they make another ruling that mm -hmm. he has to stop preaching. Yep. Rothman is getting advice from Philip Melanchthon, who's a guy who he met in Wittenberg. Mm -hmm. And Melanchthon says, listen, without council support, this isn't going to go anywhere. And you might not like them. You might not think that their theology mm -hmm. is good, but you need their support. So you need to work with them. Be patient as they come around. And just out of curiosity, like how many people are showing up at this church that Rothman's preaching in? Like, is it a, is it growing? Is that why they're, they want it shut down? Because they're intimidated by the growth or, you know, I'd be curious. Yeah. So that's part of these forces because it isn't just theological groups that are represented, right? So the Catholics, it's the old way of doing things, ah, I see. which is the old established families with money. Ah, the evangelical group, there's there's a legitimacy to that. This is new. This is popular. This is what's happening in other places mm. in Germany. This is what we should do to grow. This is the legitimate, proper way of doing things. Okay. So that's the that's the council. That's some of the leading families in in the community okay. and in the church. We talked the very first episode. We talked about those those men who broke into the convent and. Yeah stole things right what saved them was that their guild because they were artisans oh, they right. were craftsmen their guild stood up to the city hall and said there won't be any arrests okay. here so the guildsmen the common people mm -hmm. they supported rothman in the changes that oh. he made and were even kind of pushing him in more aggressive ways than oh. what rothman wanted to do oh. sometimes oh that's interesting so Melanchthon is giving Rothman this advice, and he's he's sort of leaning in that direction. And then early the next year, in 1532, the emperor, who has connections with the with a Catholic church, the emperor says that Rothman is not allowed to stay in the bishop's territory. 
He's oh, he's wow. kicked okay. out. He's expelled. Oh, okay. Except the city of Munster is not technically the bishop's territory. Right. So Rothman didn't have to go very far. <laughs> it's a short walk. I've done it from the city wall to St. Moritz Church. Mm. Bernard Rothman couldn't preach at that church anymore. Mm-hmm. But now he had to go to the city to find refuge. Mm -hmm. And the guildsmen, the common people, were happy to receive him, protect him, and listen to him speaking. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, when when Rothman spoke, there were crowds. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't always the proper crowd. It wasn't always Mm -hmm. the things that the established people wanted to hear. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yes, there were big crowds that wanted to hear him preach, but maybe not the right crowds, depending on who you asked. Yeah, I see. So, uh, so this has happened. Rothman has moved into the city, and the city council is realizing, oh, their problem now has become our problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Rothman was preaching out there yeah. before. Now he's here. Now he's our problem. Right. Right, so the Catholics kind of get a break, mm. but now the Lutherans, the Evangelicals, are struggling with what to do with with Rothman and his and his supporters. So does he like have a wife, Rothman? That's a good question. I don't think that he does. I don't know. Of it's one. never been mentioned. I uh, I haven't found it. Well, I'd be pretty mad if I was his wife and never made it to history books, but. Right. <laughs> After all that moving around and all that stress and him being on vacation all the time. Yeah. <laughs> So there is a record of another preacher in town who I think was either married to Rothman's sister okay. or Rothman's wife's sister. Okay. I'm not I sure see. how that plays out. Okay. Uh, so a little later in January, Rothman writes his confessions, kind of his mm. statement of belief, a whole bunch of things that he believes about God, about the church, and he submits it to the town council of Munster. Mm-hmm. For their review. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're kind of looking it over. They're not obligated to respond. But he wants them to see. Mm-hmm. Listen I'm not doing anything yeah, crazy. crazy. This is yeah. all biblical. And if any of this is wrong. Just show yeah. me in the Bible where it's yeah. wrong. Interesting. <laughs> That's kind of the motto of the Reformation. Right? Is mm. just show me in the Bible where I'm wrong. Oh, and I'll dear. back down. Yeah. Well <laughs> Christians have been saying that for yeah. 500 years since. Messy. And yeah. it hasn't helped. Mm-hmm. Okay, so an interesting thing happens a few weeks later mm-hmm. that uh, Lambert's church, uh, the St. Lamberti Cathedral, which is the main oh, yeah. cathedral in the, in the town. It's still there? It's still there. Right. So they invite Rothman to be one of their preachers. Okay. So he gets to preach in the city, except the guy that he's replacing doesn't agree to leave the pulpit. Oh, yeah, so there's a little <laughs> bit of a power struggle there. Okay. And Rothman has a, a group of hardcore followers. Mm-hmm. So when the old preacher makes it clear he's not leaving, then his followers, they decide they're going to interrupt his sermons. Oh, no. Rothman's. No, the the oh. incumbent, the, old, uh, the previous okay. preacher. So he's trying to preach, and these guys are just shouting. They're... They're shouting German psalms, mind you, but they're shouting over him. Because they want him to leave. Because they want him to leave. Um, And it isn't just because they like Rothman better. Yeah. But they believe that the previous preacher was there because of simony. 
S-I-M-O-N-Y. Any guesses what simony is? Oh, dear. No. So there's a story in the book of Acts where a man named Simon offers the, the disciples gold if they will appoint him as one of them. Oh, right. And they say, no, we're not going to do that. But in the medieval church, mm. in the European church of this time, this was a fairly common practice that someone could pay money oh. to be appointed as a priest or a bishop or yeah and not not be trained just have money well <laughs> they had gone to church okay. every week for okay. their whole lives that's training right i guess that was part of the concern of rothman's followers yeah. these guys aren't qualified yeah they shouldn't be in this position Interesting. anyway okay so hold on. So was Rothman invited to preach for a day or like he was literally given a job to yeah. preach all the time? Yeah, he was appointed oh. to be one of the preachers oh, wow. at that location. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Because he had enough of enough popular support. Yeah. And on paper, he was preaching the gospel. Right. And people weren't able to convince him using the Bible where he was wrong. Right. Okay. So sometimes it's like, well, we'll give Give a little to get a little. Maybe if we give him a yeah. promotion, then he'll get off our backs about, yeah. about some other things. Okay. So the previous bishop was Friedrich von Weed, but he had made an, an agreement that he was going to resign at a certain point. When Friedrich von Weed says that Rothman can't preach anymore, he knows that he's resigning soon. And he doesn't really want to upset the balance of power. He doesn't want to establish a legacy of supporting mm -hmm. the Reformation. Mm -hmm. He also doesn't want to create enemies or things like that. So he says things, but doesn't really work hard to enforce those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's kind of, you know, in the tail end of a president's legacy. They're not trying too yeah. hard. Uh, so that's sort of what's happening. So then Bishop Friedrich von Weed does resign. They install a new bishop. And a new guy takes over. Mm -hmm. And uh, the new guy's name is Eric von Braunschweig. <laughs> now, all of, the, all of the residents of Braunschweig, Germany, will be upset with you now. But. So Eric von Braunschweig... Um, takes a, a hard stance oh. and says, there's not going to be any new religious innovations under my watch. But does that, no does that changes, mean? no changes in the way that baptism happens, communion happens, um, all of these things. There, there's not going to be any new changes. We've made some changes. We can work with those, but nothing new. So does Rothman get to keep his job? He gets to keep his job if he follows yep. the bishop's orders. Oh, okay. So it sounds like now the Catholics have gained more power, right? The Catholics have asserted more yeah. authority. And that's and part of it is this balance of power that this charter gives to the city council of Munster. Mm -hmm. So uh, Rothman writes to the new bishop. He says he's not going to comply. Uh oh! But the bishop insists that the city council has to enforce this edict. And how do you do that? In theory, you could hire soldiers to physically remove oh, somebody from okay. the area. But the city council writes back to the bishop and says, "Listen, the guilds support mm -hmm. this guy. We can't enforce this edict." Yeah, interesting. So in some ways, the city council has said, "Hey, listen, we've tried. Yeah. We can't. Yeah. If you want to do it with your soldiers, yeah. your money, yeah. your reputation, your authority, go ahead." Yeah. 
but we can't. That's May 2nd. The city council says that they can't enforce it. Uh, the edict was made April 17th. Okay, wow. So on May 14th, there's a party to install Eric von Braunschweig as the bishop. Okay, fun. It's a ruckus affair, heavy <laughs> drinking all around. Okay. And Eric von Braunschweig dies. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a surprise. It's a surprise. He's supposed to be the champion of the Counter-Reformation. He's supposed to... Yeah. How did he die? Uh, it seems he drank a little too much. Oh, my heavens. The, uh, the official records aren't entirely clear. Okay. But what that creates is a power vacuum. Yeah. So who's going to be in charge? We don't know. What's their attack strategy going to be we don't know but why wouldn't the catholics just reinstall another bishop to the, they like they would and they did but it took a little while okay and right. in the meantime there's nobody to say oh. that bernard rothman can't preach oh anymore. right okay because it doesn't happen quickly right yeah so it takes a couple of weeks they do get somebody yeah. else in in the meantime of course the reformation continues to That's happen funny and Bernard Rothman builds up more and more followers. So the choice of who the bishop is depends on some of the Episcopal Council that I mentioned before, these church leaders in the area. Mm -hmm. And they had a delicate choice to make because they wanted somebody who would give them flexibility to make their own decisions in the city of Munster. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't want somebody who's going to come in and tell them what to do and impose an external will on them because they're independent people. Mm -hmm. But they knew if, if the bishop was too weak mm -hmm. and couldn't stop problems from happening, then Rome would say, listen, the, uh, the Habsburg burgundian dynasty they're doing fine how about they just like absorb this and that'll fix the problems oh wow right they didn't want to be absorbed into somebody else's empire right so they wanted somebody who was weak enough to let them do what they wanted yeah. but strong enough to keep some kind of order oh that sounds like a hard sell. it's a hard balance to to manage yeah. so they found a guy named franz von waldeck <laughs> yeah. Um, so Franz von Waldeck has uh, an interesting kind of situation in his life. He's a loyal Catholic, but he has a wife and many children. And as bishop, that's a problem. But if he oversees a reform movement in the right way, then maybe he can legitimize his wife, legitimize his children, and by the way, maybe hold on to some of the land and power that was given to him as bishop. Oh, because most bishops don't have wives and children. Right. Oh, I, for I totally forgot that part. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it isn't technically just bishop, it's prince bishop. Ah. But if the area isn't Catholic anymore, maybe he's just prince and oh. not prince bishop. So he's wanting to kind of start a kind of a, a hereditary rule, right? That he's the prince. When he dies, his children can inherit the land and power. That's kind of his That's a new thing, isn't strategy. it? Strategy. Yeah. It's a creative <laughs> approach to the, you know, the church position wow. that he's been given. Yeah. 
But it's not exactly what they were hiring him for, yeah. but that's kind of what he had in mind as a okay. strategy. So soon after that, city council says, hey, maybe we should have a debate. We'll bring in some, some judges, some, some good speakers, and we'll have a debate to see whose version of the gospel is true. Oh, bear. And who's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So they... <laughs> They have this idea, they want to have a debate, we'll have Rothman present his point of view, mm -hmm. we'll have some Catholic point of view, maybe some evangelical or Lutheran points of mm -hmm. view, just to see where we stand, and based on the crowd's response, maybe we can make a clear wow. direction. Wow. Because there's no clarity right now. There is these three very yeah. strong factions, yeah. all of them are increasingly angry. Yeah. Well, the people hear about this, and there's kind of a, a bitter, angry revolt against this whole oh. idea. And the council says, okay, that wasn't a good idea. Okay. We will only now hire preachers who preach the same gospel as Bernard Rothman. Like, really? Yeah. So this happens. That's how big Rothman became? Yeah. Holy so lady. this happens on July the 15th. They promise they're only going to hire Rothman-style preachers. There's kind of this, this new support and momentum for the Rothman version of, of the Reformation. So were, was everybody else really super angry about that? Other people were angry. So there's a group of nobles from the area, some of them within the city and, and around the city, and, and they get together, they have a little council of their own, and they submit some concerns to the city council. Yeah. Things that need to be changed, things that they want Rothman to stop doing, okay. and so on. But the people of, of Munster are upset about this because they don't want the bishop telling them what to do. They certainly don't want a bunch of rich, yeah. land-owning lords to tell them what to do. Yeah. So they're starting to think that maybe the bishop, maybe these other rich uh, noblemen are going to launch some sort of attack yeah. to change the leadership situation in yeah. Munster. So they hire some mercenary fighters that's just soldiers for hire. Oh. They ramp up some of their own kind of armed forces within the city. Wow. Just to, to be, protect them. To protect themselves against this imaginary attack coming from outside. And was, were those out of... Baptist um, anti-war at that point? So, while they're called Anabaptists, there isn't a lot of rebaptism happening at this point. Okay. Um, and the, the peace-mindedness yeah. hasn't really sunk in as much. Mm -hmm. But the, the citizens who hire the soldiers are from both the evangelical camp uh, oh. and the more radical oh, camp. Oh, I see. So this, uh, this tension is there for a while. The uh, city council is sort of waiting to decide what to do about th these concerns they've gotten from the noblemen. Then on, on Christmas Day, for some reason, mm -hmm. I don't know why it's that day, a group of citizens from Munster, including these soldiers, they launch an attack on some of these estate properties oh, no. in the area. And they kidnap some politicians, some knights, oh, and as a way of saying, listen, you are not pushing us around. Wow. Did they give them back? Well, uh, yeah. So <laughs> February 14th, so interesting, there's an attack yeah. on Christmas Day and then on Valentine's yeah. Day, which didn't mean the same thing then as it does now. Yeah. Uh, the, there's an agreement from the city council that these 
um, these demands will be met. We're not going to give in to the rich noblemen outside of the city. Okay, but did they, like, when they attacked these noblemen, did they, like, kidnap them for, like, a day or so, or for a long time, or did they kill them, or what happened? It doesn't, it doesn't go uh, into details. Okay. Um, it, uh, it says it's a military attack, so presumably some people died. Okay. But uh, it's not entirely clear. Oh. So a little bit later, on March 3rd, there's an election. There's a new election for city councillors. Okay. Before, the Catholics had more power. There were some evangelicals on city council. Mm -hmm. uh, but as the bishop was con continually unhappy, uh, some of these councillors were afraid that the bishop would seize the property owned by councillors if they didn't listen to the bishop. Oh, yeah. And if you owned land outside of the city, then you had reason to not yeah. run for council. Yeah. So some of the established people didn't run. Some new people ran. And it wasn't a bunch of completely inexperienced people. But there was a, a big shift in who was on the city council. Mm -hmm. And they were almost entirely evangelicals. So there's still the rich Catholic forces... Mm -hmm. Uh, who are still rich, but maybe not as influential in the city. Uh, there's the Lutheran movement still has a lot of power and, mm -hmm. and more power now in the city council yeah. than before. And it seems like this is going to be the new proper way things are done. Okay. Um, but the guild members were still with Rothman. Wow. And Rothman was sort of in between those two. The city council weren't entirely opposed to him at this point. Hmm. So the people of Munster, some of the church leaders, they write a letter to uh, Marburg, where we talked about where there's a big gathering. They had some mm. proper Lutheran voices there. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming clear that this Lutheran thing, this is the way that the reform movement is going to be done in Germany. People of Munster say, hey, listen, these are our ideas. This is what we think about the sacraments. This is how we want to lead the church here in Munster. What do you think? And after a while, they get a response back that says, listen, you guys want to elect your own priests, but that's not that's not really the way that we do it. And uh, your understanding of the sacraments is a little bit off. So then the council is a little bit disappointed. Well, we were, we thought we were kind of on the right track on a few things here. So they're trying to figure out, okay, well, maybe Rothman and some of the other preachers can back down on a few things. Maybe we can rework this. And then in August, they scheduled a, a debate on, on baptism. In Munster. In Munster. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, uh, it wasn't entirely clear what was happening with baptism. Uh, because for a long time, Rothman had preached that baptism made sense for children oh. and that to totally change the way that baptism happened in the church would destabilize things too much. Uh, well, after a while, he started talking to some of the other uh, more radical preachers. He started listening to Melchior Hoffman, who we talked about in the last episode, listening, meaning reading his materials and things. And he started to be more convinced that baptizing only adults was, was the way to do things. Mm -hmm. So this debate happens, uh, but they haven't totally changed what's going to be implemented in the city. At least uh, the councillors think they have changed things. They think that they've made clear statements. But the preachers who were installed based on the decision made earlier... 
they're sticking with Rothman. So there's a couple of city councilors. They bring the issue to the to the forefront. They have children that haven't been baptized because they were waiting to see what how this was going to play out. And they say, okay, we've had this debate. We've made a decision. We're going to baptize children. So they bring those children to the church uh, where the there's a pro-Rothman preacher named Herman Stopraid. And the preacher says, I don't baptize children. Yeah. And the city councilors say, that's your job. That's what you're expected to do. Under our authority, you do your job. And if you're not going to do it, you're out of town. Okay. So he says, okay. So he's kicked out of the city. Wow. So the rest of the pro-Rothman uh, preachers, they stand up to the council and they say, you have no right. You have civic authority. Mm-hmm. You get to say how often mm-hmm. the trash gets picked up. Mm-hmm. You don't get to tell us what to do in the church. So one other question. If somebody really wanted to get their kids baptized bad enough, could they, would they just go to the Catholics? They could probably find somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So the city councillors, they weren't... They weren't just doing that because they wanted their children baptized. They wanted to see if these people were as opposed to it as as they said they were. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, they could have found a Catholic priest to baptize the children. They could have found a Lutheran evangelical priest to baptize their children. But they, they specifically wanted. chose the, uh, the Anabaptist to test their loyalty. Oh, I see, yeah. The, the council knew that there's a whole lot of forces at work here because to, to become Anabaptist was in some ways a bridge too far because we talked about the Edict of Spire, mm-hmm. which was last episode, that said Anabaptists can be executed. Right. So if the people of Munster declare themselves to be Anabaptists, oh dear. Then, then Bishop von Waldeck is now obligated as a Catholic, to attack the city and take over. Wow. So the city council, regardless of what they believe, didn't want to see that kind of attack. You can debate theology all you want, but they wanted to keep order. So all of this was was at work when they're deciding, but the preachers, they said, well, we're not subject to human authority, we're subject to divine authority, and the Bible says this. If you can show us in the Bible that we're wrong, then we'll change. But yeah, so that's what they've done. So uh, Rothman and these other preachers they write an essay, a pamphlet called "Confession of the Two Sacraments: Baptism and Communion." Mm-hmm. Is just the title is provocative because there's supposed to be seven sacraments, and now they're saying, "Well, there's only two. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty. Right. One of those more radical preachers named Henrik Roll takes this pamphlet and brings it to the Netherlands where the students of Melchior Hoffman are still working. So they see this document and say, oh, the people of Munster have this baptism thing right. Okay. So they're starting to um, pass out these essays as a way of saying, look what we're doing in, in Munster. Attracting those people to their city so that the pro-Rothman group is bigger, has more authority, has more numbers on their side. So around this time, the city council wants to stabilize things, and so they get one of their preachers, a preacher that they support, and his name is Dietrich Fabricius. That's that's one of the better last (laughs) names. It is. Um, So he creates an ordinance with city council support that says, listen, we're doing Lutheran sacraments now. Mm. 
and uh, so this is late November um, it's Advent so we're going to do the Lord's Supper the Lutheran way that's how things are happening now in Munster okay so he just came in and said everything's going to be my way yeah with council support wow okay so Rothman says well you can do that I'm not doing it that way my yeah. bros in ministry here we're not doing it yeah. that way so they're really risking their necks because the council still does have yeah. authority. And uh, then Munster refuses to give him safe conduct, which is just kind of an official thing that they're not going to protect him <laughs> against. You know, if the Catholics want to come and arrest him, then we're not going to stop them. But it doesn't come up, but it just means that yeah, that's terrible, he's though. lost some protection. Okay, so this ordinance has been passed. And they're supposed to do everything the Lutheran way. Rothman and others aren't going to do that. So there's this tense conflict. And then there's this guy. He's just a smith, a blacksmith. Uh, his name is John Schroeder. And he starts loudly complaining about this Lutheran mm. rule. Interrupting services and oh, yelling wow. and making a big deal. Okay. So town council says, we don't have time for this. So John Schroeder is arrested and they pronounce the death sentence oh on John Schroeder. Oh my goodness. For being like loud. Yeah. <laughs> so like opposing city council's order yeah. Yeah. is is the problem. Wow. But John Schroeder is a smith, as I said. He's part of the guild of smiths and the guild says you're not executing this guy yeah so all these forces are just kind of at work with each other yeah. uh, the lutherans think they have power but they don't have the power to execute somebody and if they don't have the power to enforce what yeah. they want how much power do they have so what happens to john I don't know. He lives to see another day, at least. <laughs> so I mentioned this pamphlet on the two sacraments that gets delivered to the Netherlands. Right. And it's delivered to the students of Melchior Hoffman. Right. So this is late 1533. Okay. Melchior Hoffman is in prison in Strasbourg. Oh. And 1533 was supposed to be the year that Christ came back to Strasbourg. But it didn't happen. Right. So Melchior Hoffman had gone around and preached and baptized and won converts all over the Netherlands. And one of those converts was a man by the name of Jan Mathis. And uh, as Melchior Hoffman stays in prison, there's a power vacuum within that Melchiorite community. And the longer he stays there, and as his prediction of the end of the world comes and goes, there's a, there's a power vacuum and kind of a, a loss of legitimacy for Melchior Hoffman. Yeah. So Jan Mathis elevates himself to, be, to replace Melchior Hoffman as leader. He declares himself to be the new Enoch, the, one of the witnesses of the end times. Oh, and he sends um, emissaries or, or missionaries to different parts of the area to baptize people, uh, to let them know in some ways there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. There's a new Enoch in town. Yeah. 
And two of those emissaries arrive in Munster because they've read this pamphlet on the two sacraments. And uh, they have a gathering in the home of uh, Bernard Nipperdoling, who's one of the city councillors, mm-hmm. but also sympathetic to Bernard Rothman. Yeah. So it's a gathering. It's in Bernard Nipperdoling's home. Nipperdoling is there. Rothman is there. Henrik Roll is there, who brought the letter to the Netherlands. Herman Stopraid is there, who was the preacher who wouldn't baptize the right. children of the town councillors. Okay. So these two emissaries arrive in Munster and they baptize the whole crowd. So they've sort of been written off as Anabaptists in some ways, but they haven't been baptized yet until Interesting. now. Interesting. Wow. So they're, they're re-baptized, uh, but sometimes what happens in Christian communities is that you're not just baptized into the, the church, mm-hmm. you're baptized into a particular movement. You're right. baptized into the membership of a particular yeah. group within the church. Right. So Bernard Rothman was the leader and continues to be the yeah. leader of this movement, but he's now been baptized into yeah. the Jan Mathis Melchior Hoffman movement. Interesting. Uh, so there's an interesting thing about the baptisms that they did. Uh, now we see baptism as as part of a, a church membership thing. For some people, baptism is just a declaration of, of faith. But there's something different about the baptism that Jan Mathis understood. They weren't dunked into a river. They, they didn't have water sprinkled on them. They had water put on their foreheads in the shape of a letter T or a Greek tau. Like a cross? No, it was, it was the letter T oh. for some reason. Okay. And uh, they understood that this was a, a mark, a, a seal on their foreheads. And it was supposed to be a sign that was permanently etched in them spiritually that these people with the baptized Tao on their foreheads were among the 144,000 oh. elect. So when Christ came back, he right. would know who were his own because they had been marked in the sign of baptism. Interesting. So things are going to change. Jan Mathis sees that there's support for Anabaptism in Munster. Mm-hmm. He sees that Strasbourg was not the New Jerusalem after all. Yeah. Um. And maybe <laughs> the New Jerusalem can happen here. So things are about to change. There's the Bernard Rothman Reformation. And now we're starting to see what the Jan Mathis Reformation is yeah, going to look like in, in Munster. Wow. That's yeah. great. Well, thanks for sharing that tonight. All right. Well, th- thanks for following along. Thanks to you, the listener, for, for joining us again. I just want to highlight again, we are available on almost all podcast platforms. Uh, videos of these interviews are available on YouTube. And uh, you can follow along on some social media outlets. We have a group on Facebook and on Instagram as well. So follow along, join in the discussion and uh, let us know how uh, how you're enjoying things. See you later.